Welcome to another episode of Healing Fucking Sucks. I am your host, Jackie Hall. Today on the show, we have Brandy White. Randy White has gone viral on TikTok for his videos about narcissistic abuse. He is a narcissistic abuse survivor. And if you haven't seen his content, go on over to TikTok and check out Randy White. Um, It is a pleasure to have you here today, Randy. How are you? I'm doing really good. Thank you. No, I'm extremely excited. I love the name of the podcast, by the way. It does. <laughs> Feeling fucking sucks. That's for it, sure. It does. That's how the name, you know, um, was born uh, during the first couple of months of my healing from my narcissist r- relationship. Um, I was just waking up in the mornings and I was like, healing fucking sucks. <laughs> I th- yeah, <laughs> and I then... Know. Isn't like the hardest part about healing, I think, is that, you know, we don't give ourselves the trauma, but we're totally responsible for all of the harm and the the damage of healing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I found myself too, like, angry because I had just been through all this abuse. And then now I'm having to go through more pain. And I'm just like, I'm ready to be out of pain, (laughs) you know? For sure. Exactly. Yes. Okay, Randy, so tell us a little bit about yourself and why you were on the journey that you are on now. Well, so, I mean, basically, so I'm 46 years old, and um, I'm currently living out in Phoenix. I have two boys that are back in Boise, and that's kind of where I'm from, Boise, Idaho. Um, And, you know, my whole life, I've really just kind of been emotionally abandoned, I would say, right? I've been through a pattern of toxic relationship after toxic relationship. Yeah, I've had a couple good ones, but a lot of them just toxic after toxic. And I've done all the help, you know, self-help you could you could do. I've met with relationship counselors and I've always been kind of growth minded. So I've always wanted to be better. Um, in 2019, I was getting out of a very toxic relationship. And uh, at that time I was like, okay, why do you think the way you think? Cause I believe in the law of manifestation and, and stuff like that. But it's like, when I'm up, I'm up, but when I'm down, I can stay down too. So it's like, I need to really fix my thinking. So I started diving into to psychology and all of these things. And I started seeing the rise of all these influencers who were, you know, life coaches. And I was like, dang, I want to help people transform their lives. I want to help them survive emotional toxic abuse. Remember, I'm saying emotional toxic. I didn't know what a narcissist was yet. Um, and I want to create a brand behind that. So uh, I started working towards that. And then I met a narcissist and, uh, Two and a half years after living in in crazy, you know, delusional la la land, I finally got the aftermath was, you know, it's time to walk in purpose. It's time to step forward and tell this story because, you know, once you've been through a narcissistic abusive relationship cycle and your eyes are open, you're just like, it's the craziest thing you'll ever experience. And I knew at this point it was like, okay, I see it. Once you see it, you'll never unsee it. And it was time for me to speak it. It was time for me to walk out and start because I knew there was people like me. So I had met with my therapist. I had met with my narcissistic abuse trauma coach. And and two weeks after the, the, the ninth and final discard, I was like, hey, you know, I need to. I was making content about mindset. I, I, I need to do my life. What do I do? I've lost myself. I've lost myself. They said, you know, well, well, why don't you go do what you wanted to do before you met the narcissist? And I wanted to help people before the narcissist, so I started posting on TikTok. Nice. How long did it take you to go viral? 
That's a really good question. I, you know, honestly, um, I would say probably about a good about a good month, four weeks. It was about a good four That's weeks. That's a short period of time. Yeah, but I'd spent a long time, you know, since 2019 making content. So I was very familiar with the algorithm, how to do videos, how to edit, how to pick the sounds. You know, it was just, I had never spoke to a camera. I'd always just done video and put a caption over it. So I knew how to do it. I just wasn't, uh, I was really insecure before this. And I'm kind of just reinventing myself and, and putting myself first as I move through the healing process for my journey. It's crazy how being with a narcissist will just take away any bit of confidence that you ever had and just just flush it down the toilet. Yeah. <laughs> it takes sense. a while to get that back. Yeah, no, it does. Absolutely. And you have to be intentional with it, right? So at the core of, you know, narcissistic abuse, especially when you're talking covert narcissistic abuse, is it's deceit. It's deception. And in that deception, you know, with all the manipulation and gaslighting, you, you, you get stripped of your, your truth, your, your north, right? Your true north. You get stripped of it. You start questioning yourself. Next thing you know, when, when the final discard happens, you, you don't even recognize your own self. Yeah, I, I would like to say you feel like a shell of yourself. Um, you just completely forget who you are. and. You know, I'm in my mid thirties and had to, I felt like I'm just restarting my whole life all over again, trying to figure out who I am and, and what I like, what do I enjoy, you know? And it's, it's just crazy what narcissistic abuse does to somebody. It really is. And I'm so glad that social media is shining a light on this now and people are becoming aware of it because People knew that this was hap- it's been happening for hundreds of years. I've yeah. said that bef- before on my show, but people didn't n- like have a title for it. They just like abuse is different than narcissistic abuse, you know, and just being able to shine a light on that now and people being like, that's what that was. Like, that's what happened to me. It's so important because I feel like so many people are healing now. Like even my mom she's 66. She's just now because of me realizing that like her past relationships that she was in whenever I was younger were all narcissist. And so she's just now like, Oh wow. Like the light bulb come on. So. And that's it's that light bulb moment, right? For the, the majority of us, it's like, like I said, when you finally see it, you can't unsee it. And I think that technology, obviously, TikTok is a great platform to bring, you know, information into the hands of, you know, billions of people. And, and it's crucial. So narcissism has been around for, yeah, since the the, the, the dawn of time, you know, the Bible talks about it with, with the, the spirit of the Jezebel, obviously, yeah. the, Biden Jekyll, we all know what a con artist is, which, you know, the, the term, but through psychiatry, you know, now people are under, able to understand what the behaviors are. What are the patterns? What are the manipulation tactics? What is the real life examples? Because unless you had gone through it previously, you would have to go see a shrink and then go through that process. But now you can go to somewhere like TikTok or YouTube, you can pull up the information and become aware. So I think a lot of people, not only about narcissism though, because remember, highly toxic people that have high narcissistic traits will take you through the same exact pattern. Yeah. Narcissist will, you know, the same cycle. So I think 
regardless of narcissism as a big overarching educational standpoint, people are becoming aware of toxic behavior and toxic patterns. And this is very, very crucial for mental health. Yes, it is. And it's crucial for uh, like inner child healing. I know whenever I was younger, like you didn't hear about people being toxic. You were just like, oh, like things are bad. There wasn't a term for it. (laughs) You know, there was no labels. High school, you know, like middle school and high school, they don't teach that stuff. Right. And for someone to say like, oh, someone's being abusive, whenever I was younger, it was like you were getting the shit beat out of you. There was really no talk about emotional or psychological abuse. Well, that's so. the difference with narcissistic abuse. They, they, it's so different, right? With with physical abuse, it's, it's of the body. You know, unfortunately, sexual sexual abuse is about sex and control. Yeah. Uh, um, you know, narcissistic abuse is its own category because of the level of deception and the level of, you know, the brain damage it causes, all of the other, you know, body chemistry issues, loss of hair, loss of weight, loss of complete equilibrium for a lot of people so it's it's completely hideous and it's 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 about time that it's brought to the forefront that people really understand the impact that it has on people but if you look back to you know an important thing to look at is all of the greatest philosophers all of the greatest religions and all of the, the the smartest people have always taught to be careful of the people you surround yourself with Mm-hmm. That's the biggest key here, right? Birds of a feather flock together. Show me your your four friends. I'll show you your life. If if your four closest friends are broke, you're going to be broke. You know, you're the fifth of the four you hang out with. So it's important to recognize these traits and remove these kind of people from your life. Yes. And I just want to piggyback off of that and say it's not just when we say the people we surround ourselves with, we're not just talking about friends. We're talking about blood related like relatives too. So whenever, you know, I grew up in the South, um, very like kind of Baptist. Uh, My dad was holy Pentecostal. It was, you know, blood related people. Like this is your family. Um, Like you, you have to like respect them, like no matter what. And I remember being a child being like, fuck this shit. Like, like, the, like these people are like mean to me. I don't give a fuck who they are. Like it was like really much so like that. And my family kind of like shunned me for that. Now my mom, my mom is the only family that I talk to now. Everybody else got dumped off um, because they're toxic. But my mom understands that now. She's like, I get what you've been saying all along, you know? So it's just so important to realize that just because they're a family and if they are abusive or toxic to you, you do not have to keep them in your life. That is your choice. And I do not think that if you have a relationship or believe in God, that he's going to shun you for that at all. Like God doesn't want you to be abused, you know? a really good point because actually you know in the scriptures it talks about the blood of the covenant is thicker than the water of the womb now a lot of people misinterpret that what this means is the blood of the covenant that you make with the people you surround yourself is more important than the water of the womb of the mother of the family i'm so glad you said that that is so nicely said, Randy. oh my god i'm so glad to have you here you are a breath of fresh air 
I appreciate it. So, okay. So you said covert narcissist earlier, and I just want to make things clear on my show. There's two different types of narcissists, right? There's, there's many different styles or, 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 you know, uh, 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 types of narcissism. The two main though are commonly referred to as covert and overt or covert and malignant. Okay. All right. Just making that clear. Um, and then, Let's jump into. And just just for the record, too, it's always easier to kind. So once you know about narcissistic traits, personalities, patterns, all of these things, it's always easier to kind of spot a malignant overt somebody who's overly uh, loud, obnoxious. You you you. It's usually the people that you know you're going to say, "God, he's got such a." big ego. He's a douchebag or, you know, stuff of that nature. These are going to be your over the ones that you can tell they're getting joy, you know, out of every interaction of being, you know, uh, 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 condescending, you know, the, the backhanded compliments, stuff of that nature. You can always tell the over the covert is going to be way more sneaky, right? These are the insidious, you know, the, the wolves that are wearing sheep's clothing. These are the people who are telling the public how perfect they are, how good they are, how they love people, how they would never abuse their churchgoers. They're, they're the people posting on Instagram and, and Facebook to, 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 you know, don't manipulate manipulations, bad, you know, be a good person, only quality people, all these things, but they're doing the most insidious things. These are the people that need, you got to pay attention to the ones that are sliding under the radar. Coverts are sliding under the radar. And these are the ones that are doing the most damage because they're not easy to find. They're not easy to pick. You don't know it until it's halfway through or towards the end. So uh, that being the difference between the two. Yes. And thank you for clearing that up because I don't know, how much you know about my past story, but my narcissistic ex was a youth pastor. Yeah. So very well known in the community. He even, I have to be careful what I say, so I don't target exactly who he is. Um, He used to be the head director of a very large uh, mission, like homeless, like type shelter. I'm not going to say where. Um, but it's very large and very well known. Um, this would be the last person that you would think. (laughs) And let me just, let me just tell you that. And I haven't said this on my podcast yet. When that relationship blew up, it was because I got in his phone and he was an alcoholic. So he had been on a drinking binge for a couple of days. And he forgot to delete everything out of his phone. So I'm sure there was some stuff that I didn't catch because that he did delete. But I caught all that I needed to know to in that. And what I found was he had been dating another girl for a whole year. So I texted her right away. And I was like, who the fuck are who like, who are you? And I'm like, this is his girlfriend. We've been together for three years. And she's like, how can that be? Like, I've been with him for a year. We talk every day, blah, 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 blah. Long story short, I FaceTime her while he's in bed asleep. And it was one of his youth from when he was a youth pastor. He's known her since she was 12 years old. Now she's my age now, 
but he was a father figure to her, even adopted her two cousins. Like this was like family. And he conned her into giving him $15,000. So I'm FaceTiming her. She's telling me all this stuff. I wake him up and I'm just like, do you, you want to say hi to both your girlfriends? <laughs> it was, I'll go into a whole nother session with a whole nother podcast about that. But it's funny because she, I told her, I was like, we need to go after his job because his job involves working with youth. With youth, yeah. And he clearly preyed upon this person and conditioned them through a, a, a period of time. Yeah, they groomed them, conditioned them, groomed them all the way through uh, 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 to, the, to the point of when they were able to finally take, take full hold. Well, the thing is, is that she still, because I told her, I said, can you write a report and send it to me about how you were groomed? And now she works for another pastor. So she's like very, very honest person. Um, she's a really good girl, but she's still so manipulated that she doesn't believe she was groomed. She goes, I'm not going to say that I was groomed because I'm not going to tell lies because I wasn't. And I'm like, Stockholm syndrome, Stockholm syndrome. But (laughs) you were anyways, long story short, he lost his job anyway. So he doesn't need to be working around youth. No, not at all. Thank you for sharing that. Wow. Yeah. If he had a different job, I would have let it like left it be, but no, like, please get this man away from, especially what he does works with homeless youth. Yeah. So it's like, these kids are already going through enough. They're homeless. They don't have families. So they don't need somebody, a predator around. Especially how vulnerable they are. Huh? how vulnerable they are. They're homeless. They're away from their family. They're vulnerable. They're going to be more easily susceptible to, to being groomed. Yeah. 100%. So. For somebody to help them. So yeah, absolutely. Bravo for you for speaking up. You know, I have no tolerance for that type of stuff. Yeah. I had sexual abuse whenever I was younger. I've shared that on my podcast um, in previous episodes and I have zero tolerance for child abuse in any type of way. Like I just, there's something in me. I'm just like, ah. <laughs> it angers me, you know? I'm a boy American. I feel the same way. It angers me. Leave yeah. The leave the kids alone. It's enough to put an adult through it. Like just sure. leave the innocent people alone. The sick world we live in. Oh, don't even get me into that because we'll be sitting here talking for like five hours, Randy. <laughs> um, but I agree. It's very sick with all the human trafficking and everything going on. Just, oof, it's, um, it's heavy. Okay, let's talk about what it's like to date a narcissist, uh, especially a covert narcissist, because that, that's what we both dealt with. And like what what uh what they go through so like the love bombing the cognitive distances like all of that 
Yeah, no. So, I mean, great question. Basically, I mean, it's the, the biggest mind fuck you'll ever go through. And it does cause uh, brain damage. Um, you do suffer multiple psychological issues coming out of narcissistic abuse. But essentially, at the core of narcissistic abuse, like I said, it's all about deceit. So when you first meet a narcissist, you're in the beginning of the, the, the cycle, the narcissistic abuse cycle. And it starts with the idolization and love bombing. During this phase, essentially... The narcissist only, they view love as a transaction, right? Yeah. You have something that the other individual wants, so they treat it like an object. They treat it like an object in order to get whatever it is that they want, whatever it is that they're idolizing about you. So they essentially put you on this pedestal to be the savior. You're coming to save them from their wretched, you know, lack of self-confidence, lack of ability to maintain their own central nervous system. They believe you're coming to save them. Okay, so they fill you up with so much love during the love bombing. They're essentially mirroring you because they don't have any core sense of self. They're taking everything about you. They're collecting data, right? They're watching your mannerisms they're watching your vocabulary, your facial expressions, how you move. And they're studying you so that they can mirror it back to you. So you're essentially, you know, just falling in love with yourself. So they're, they're love bombing you. They're giving you all the attention, admiration. They're validating you probably more than you've ever been validated. You truly feel like it's a soulmate connection. It's next level. The connection is, is deep, right? So during that yeah. period, you're, you're experiencing a lot of uh, dopamine and oxytocin, oxytocin being the, the love chemical, right? So you're, mm-hmm. you're literally like being on cloud nine. This is a, a phrase that everybody's used throughout the century of love. You feel like you're on cloud nine. So your body's full of this. Now, after that, when the, when the relationship essentially goes from, you know, this love bombing and idolization, they call it the honeymoon phase in healthy relationships or, mm-hmm. you know, you start being comfortable. The victim of narcissistic abuse goes into this cycle believing that they have found their connection. They're comfortable. All of their walls are down. They're they're connected. They have a support system. They're authentically in love. They have a plan for the future and they're growing. What the narcissist does now is because life is happening, the narcissist starts to, to see that Oh, wait a minute. You're not giving me the attention. You're working a little harder today. Oh, you, you didn't call me or text me enough today. You start to live a normal, healthy life. It gets in the way of the narcissist fake reality and idolization of who you are. So they start to then devalue you. So when you go into the devaluation phase, the narcissist starts to look at all of your flaws. Every little flaw that you have, they start to hyper-focus on. And then that's when they start to to really do all of the manipulation, the gaslighting, the triangulation, because at this point, the narcissist has convinced themselves, wait, they're not who they said they were. The narcissist starts to convince themselves that you lied to them, that you have these flaws, that you're doing things behind their back, that you, you're not a good person, you're, you're doing shady things. So they start to project. And this is how they start to justify the devaluation. Then they start to tell their family and their flying monkeys. Oh, this person, they're abusing me. They're lying to me. I think they're cheating on me. They start planting the seed that so the narcissist can use Darbo, deny, attack, reverse victim, offender, and become the, the victim. Now, once the narcissist had enough, you go through the discard. That's when you're discard. Now, there's a reverse discard where the narcissist, you know, is just so freaking insidious and hurtful and outright disrespectful that you're just had enough 
in the very beginning, I got discarded nine total discards. I reverse discarded the narcissist the first time, but then if they're not ready to be discarded, they're going to hoover you. Oh yeah, right? it causes narcissistic injury. Though it go, my, the narcissist in my life went as far as to fake a, a suicide attempt on on the first uh, uh, reverse discard. I discarded them. They made some shit up, and we got back together. And then eight more times, they discarded me. Now you go through this cycle. Now. As you go through this cycle, every single time you take the narcissist back, you go back to the love bomb. But the cycles start to get shorter. The devaluation, the disrespect, the manipulation, the cheating, the triangulation starts to get worse. To a point where now the narcissist hates you because you keep giving them a chance. So subconsciously, they start to think, hey, this person doesn't care about themselves. They're allowing me to do this. So they start doing it more and more and more and more. Okay. And then finally, one day you finally get a, 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 a the, the narcissist gets new supply. You get a final discard. They move on. They go no contact immediately leaving you in emotional and mental purgatory. That is a narcissistic abusive relationship cycle. You're going to be from best friends, the, the deepest love, the best connection, to nothing you ever say or do will ever be good enough. Even when they tell you, if you would just do this and you start doing that, they move the goalposts. Yeah. You can never accomplish what the narcissist wants. They're an empty hole in a bucket. You're trying to fill a bucket. This has got a hole in the bottom. It's pouring out, but they're doing it purposefully and tactically drive you crazy. So after they're done devaluing you, they discard you, they move on with new supply and they repeat the cycle because true narcissism is pathological. Yeah, it's a diagnosis. Not every asshole. So narcissism is a buzzword right now on social media. Yeah, but not every, not every asshole is a narcissist, but every narcissist is an asshole. But the yes. but this relationship abuse cycle is toxic and narcissistic abuse. Yes. So with my narcissistic ex, um, he always did the reverse discard on me. Um, so he would purposely do stuff knowing that he would be able to ghost for a couple of days or a week because he knew that I would leave and then go do whatever it is, cheat on me, whatever it is that he was doing at the time and then come back and then, you know, the whole cycle you've been there. It is wild because, you know. You keep asking yourself, why do I keep taking this person back? This is insane. (laughs) Like, they treat me so badly. And this is why I like to explain to people to be kinder to people that keep going back to abusive relationships because there's a lot more involved than just a decision of going, you know, back. There's the chemical. It's, it's like a, a drug, you know, and you want to keep that addiction going. You want to keep, I mean, I don't know who doesn't want to feel that love bombing phase. Like I felt great during the love bombing phase. I don't know about you, yeah, but I mean, I don't like, especially with someone that deals with clinical depression like me and generalized anxiety. Like being on that cloud nine, I I felt like I could breathe. But then just as good as it was, it was just that bad whenever things exploded. 
You know, well, it's extremely horrible and it's even worse than, than you could even imagine. So there's a few things that go on. You talk about the body, the body chemicals, the chemistry inside the body. When you're going through the devaluation phase, your body is pumped with so much cortisol, right? You're, you have the anxiety, the panic attacks, um, mm-hmm. you're living in fear. You're constantly in a state of fight or flight. Um, so your central nervous system is jacked up. Now, they, a recent study said that the amount of cortisol that the body produces when, when in narcissi- narcissistic devaluation is 300% more than that of, the, of an average person going through just normal life stress. So 300% more. Now, they call this the trauma bond. So what happens, like you just said, with the addiction, right? Because we're addicted to the dopamine. Our body, no matter what, goes through the cycle even after the narcissist is gone. So when the narcissist and the final discard comes, the no contact and, and, and you're at your lowest, you're really looking for the next hit. Like you said, you're looking for the next hit of dopamine. Now through a narcissistic abusive relationship cycle, you've been groomed or conditioned to look for the narcissist to be the one to give you the dopamine, the validation, the attention, the emotional affirmation that you are worthy and good enough. Yes. Okay? This is why we become addicted. And so essentially when you're, you're down and, you, and you're looking for the narcissist, you're looking for that, for that hit. The same in, an alcoholic would when they've been without booze for two days and they're like, oh, it's, I'm, I'm hurting. I'm so sad. I need that booze. They need that chemical. They need the booze to get the dopamine to pull themselves out of a, a, a sad cortisol state. <clears throat> yes. And that's the trauma. Oh. That's the it is. And it's, uh, I, I've also heard too uh, with studies saying that leaving a narcissist is almost like trying to get off of heroin. It's that bad. And I can say through my experience, I, which I've never done heroin before, but I can say that it was bad for me. I had shakes. I had panic attacks. I felt like I was going to die. I wanted to die. I had no happiness, like every bit of dopamine that could have possibly existed in my brain was gone at the time. And on top of that, all of the confusion and the manipulation and the cognitive distances of me being like, just maybe like, you know, if he contacts me, just like, maybe I'll hit him back up, you know, and because maybe it wasn't that bad. Maybe I'm overthinking this. Maybe some of this was my fault, you know, and this is why we have to educate people on this stuff because it's not your fault. And I mean, I didn't, I didn't ask for this person to come into my life. He came in like a snake, like he, he slithered his way in. It was not even somebody that I was even attracted to. Um, but I was very vulnerable and this happened during COVID. So we were all very isolated at the time and yeah, it just happened. But I do have to say, and I'm sure it's the same for you that, um, I'm glad that it happened because now I'm helping other people, um, heal. And I know that you are. So, I mean, I can't look back and say, I wish that it had never happened because I wouldn't be who I am today if it hadn't have happened. So, you know, people either turn their pain into something great and they help others or they turn into shitty people. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. No. And that, and that's what you have to do, right? It's all about finding, using, finding a source for fuel. So a couple of things when getting out of a narcissistic abusive relationship, I love that you mentioned you, you do, you're totally just, you know, dehumanized at the end of the day, they discard you like you're trash. You have a long-term relationship with these people. You go through all of the hoops and hurdles to show your love, loyalty, dedication. You put up with more abuse than I think people even understand. And that, of course, why we, we, we're doing what we do, which is to educate. But you also come out of this situation, like you said, with cognitive dissonance. Two of the psychological and mental issues that you come out of with, number one would be cognitive dissonance, right? Cognitive dissonance is totally where it's a nuclear explosion. The, the psychologist in 1950 that came up with the model, who coined the model and the term um, cognitive dissonance says it's the equivalent of having a nuclear war in your mind. Nothing survives. Okay. Now what it is, is basically where an individual holds a, you know, two conflicting moral beliefs about something, a subject, a person, um, an object, an environment. It's two conflicting views. In our case, the cognitive dissonance comes from, is the narcissist a good person that, that was our soulmate? And the love bombing, or is the narcissist this abuser who we now see as 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 who they really are? The manipulation, the lying, the cheating, the gaslighting is all now at surface as well. So your mind can't handle that. Poof. Now, because of the and on the other side of that, you're also dealing with brain damage. There's actual brain damage due to narcissistic abuse. So when you're in the love bombing stage, you you have all this dopamine that you get used to. And then when you have when you go through the devaluation phase, your body's filled with so much cortisol, 300 percent more than that of the average person. What that does is it shrinks the hippocampus. Yeah. Now, the hippocampus is responsible for learning short-term memory. So as you take on new information, the hippocampus decides, well, do I want to store it in long-term or, or just let it go? Now with a shrunken hippocampus, you're not learning any, any new information. And now with the same amount of cortisol in your body, it, it actually activates and starts to swell the amygdala. Now, the amygdala is what's responsible for your fight, flight, freeze, fawn. It's your primal instincts, fight, flight, freeze, fawn, lust, things of that nature. So now when you get out of a narcissistic abusive relationship, you're stuck in time. Your brain zaps. You're stuck ruminating about the past only because you're unable to take on new information. You're stuck in time in your brain. And then on top of that, your amygdala is jacked up. So your hyper, you know, all of your uh, primal emotions are being done at one time. One second, you're like, F that narcissist. I don't care. I'm good. The next minute, you're like, oh, my God, I love them. I miss them. The next minute, you're like, life sucks. I don't know what I'm going to do. And this is what happens due to the, the amount of cortisol that you get during narcissistic abuse. It's insane. And this is why I'm educating because people need to know that this happens. It's not just... You know, oh, I got a couple bruises on my body. My entire mind has been zapped. And on top of that, I have jacked up. You know, the amygdala is the most ancient part of your body, your your brain. And if you believe in 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 this concept that your life is nothing more than a reflection of the images of, in your mind, if you believe that your perspective or your perception is your reality, then you have to understand your mind is the most important thing you have. And yeah. a narcissist takes that from you. That's why narcissistic abuse and deception, deceptive abuse is so much more complicated than just physical abuse. I agree. I agree. I mean, I, 
turned into a completely different person when I was with my narcissist. Everything that had grounded me prior and gave me peace in my life, like being close to God. Um, I like to listen to um, certain preachers or ministers when I am cleaning my house or whatever. Like it, it fuels me. It makes me feel good. And he took that from me when he was around, even though he was a youth pastor, I wasn't allowed to listen to the word of God. He'd be like, turn that off. I don't want to listen to that. And there we go, three years, and my relationship with God had, like, declined. And it was a time when I needed to be closer to God, and I just wasn't. So, um, luckily, I got that back, and I've got some peace in my life now, and I can breathe. Um, I know whenever – yeah, for real. Amen. If you guys, you know, if you believe in God, this is a very non-judgmental community. If you do or don't believe in God, um, I don't care. It's, I'm never going to push anything on anybody, but this is what I believe. This is what gives me peace. And so this is, you know, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to believe in. And that's, I've tried from someone who has been to, I don't know how many different psychiatrists how many, like, uh, you know, and I've, I've been on every medication possible. I have been to spiritual healers. I've done the whole, um, what do you call it? New age stuff back in the day. Having a relationship with God is the only thing that has brought me peace. And so it's going to stay that way. Um, so when I was in my relationship, I had already previously dated a narcissist back in 2013, 14, um, which landed me in jail. So, um, yeah, learned my lesson the hard way with that one. But he was, he was more of an, an overt, like he was physically abusive and, um, yeah, it was just nasty. But when I got with this last narcissist and I started seeing signs, now I didn't know anything about narcissism. I just knew, whoa, this is happening again. I could not fathom having another abusive person in my life. Like in my head, I was going, how do I keep attracting people that just want to abuse me and take advantage of me? And like, this can't be happening again. Like, am I that stupid to like, why do I keep attracting these people? Like, is this what I deserve out of life? Like, that's the kind of stuff I was asking myself. So I refused to really face reality with a lot of the stuff that was going on until I had my come to Jesus moment where I was like, I, this is time to die or live. Like I have to make a decision, you know, did you do that in your relationship at all? Um, I mean, not necessarily. I mean, I kind of been trying to do that my entire life. You know, I mean, when I got out of the narcissistic abuse, halfway through, halfway through, it was actually, honestly, it was, it was one year ago this month. One year ago this month would have been uh, the, one of the, the sixth or seventh 
macro major discard of the narcissist, right? This, this is the one that, cause I call you, you have micro, which is them just basically, oh, I don't know if this is going to work out. Maybe we just need a split and then they go quiet for a day or whatever, you know, but a macro is where, where they really are doing something very vile, like leading up to this, their, the, the devaluation phase is, is, is really strong. But a year, a year ago, that discard, I knew shit was wrong. And I knew that I, I need to, like, something's not right. I started telling the narcissist that I was dealing with, I feel like you don't like me. I feel like you don't like me. Like, why do I feel like you don't like me? You know, and and, and basically for me, you know, it comes down to this. I When I got out of this relationship, it was, oh, my God, again, I, I went through this again. I know that I've been with a lot of toxic people, but I've truly never been with somebody pathologically narcissistic and a pathological liar. This person is an, an admitted pathological liar. And and for me, I had the aha moment. And the aha moment I think that everybody needs to have is that itself. We're not attracting these people. It does not work that way. I don't believe we're, we're out here as empaths or good people, bad people, whatever label you want to put on yourself. It doesn't matter. I don't think that we're attracting these people. What we're doing obviously is failing to respect ourselves. Yeah. Failing to keep our own boundaries. We're, yeah. we're, we're, we're failing to to listen to the inner voice inside of us that says, this ain't right. You shouldn't still be here. That yeah. is the bigger problem. Why are we doing that? Why are we seeing such a lack in ourselves that we're allowing toxic relationships to continue on after we know things aren't right? I think that's the conversation everybody needs to have with themselves. Yes, and that is also a very hard conversation to have with yourself. And for anyone that is going through this, that's listening, I just want to say, please have grace with yourself. Have grace, have compassion, be patient with yourself. It's okay. I know that for me, I had a very abusive childhood too. And so I've always just been seeking love, like real love. And I kind of sort of didn't, I didn't feel like I got that whenever I was growing up at all. Now my mom is, she did a 180 and she is my best friend. And I do get that from her now, but I really felt neglected as far as having real love because I was so confused growing up because everybody around me was so toxic and so abusive, but they said that they loved me. So my version of love was very distorted. It was very messed up. So what would happen is even if the relationships that I was in that weren't with narcissists, they were still all assholes. I There was no healthy boundaries they weren't good to me. And it's because my childhood was so bad that I would say, I wouldn't even acknowledge that some of the things that they were doing were toxic or abusive, you know, until I got older and I started educating myself because I, my abuse started off here. So if somebody was here, Mm -hmm. I just didn't even question it. Yeah, exactly. That's a, that's a really good point for sure. Yeah. And, and so this is why on my show, I talk a lot about your childhood trauma and going back 
Um, because a lot of times if you find yourself with a narcissist, it's because you, your version of love is like distorted. You don't have healthy boundaries somewhere along the line. You've lost, um, what real love is, what healthy love is, what, you know, because being with a narcissist and continuously taking them back is not healthy. And you, you're, if you're not even able to make healthy decisions within yourself. So it's, it's a lot and it is a journey. And like I said, please have grace and patience for yourself. We do have amazing people like Randy White here that you do coaching sessions, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I want to, I just want to piggyback off of what you're saying. And I, I absolutely agree. It's, it's very important for everybody to give themselves the same level of love and patience and empathy and compassion that they were giving the narcissist, for example. Yeah, you, know, you have to give yourself that same kind of, of level of, of understanding that this is a it's a cycle, okay. And I love the word healing, and I and I love holistic healing. I really, really do. But at the end of the day, it's the grieving process that we're dealing with, and there's stages of it, and you're going to bounce around. It's not linear. But study, yeah. you know, study in your arsenal of things that you're studying right now. Study, study the grieving process, right? Because you you are grieving the loss of somebody that's still alive. Number one, number two, that never really existed because they they do, you know, they play a character. They put on a facade and they play a character. So you're mourning the loss of somebody who will never be on this earth again. Because once they put down that script, it's over. They never yeah. play that character again. They go on with whatever traits they took from you. They're going on to the next and they're going to play a new character. So you're grieving the loss of somebody who's walking the earth who never existed. And it takes fucking time. Be patient with you. Number two, um, I would say in the childhood, you have to go back to the root. Here's the cliff notes. You nailed it. Look, guys, at the end of the day. If you want to jumpstart your healing, you've got to get to a place of understanding why you love the way you love, why you show up the way you show up. And all of it stems from the conditioning of parents, watching our parents love, picking up cues from our primary caregivers. Typically, if you're with a narcissist, then mostly you're probably emotionally neglected and this is how they got you. Okay, And it's important when you do go back and do this childhood work that you look at the narrative of your life. Look at the narrative that you've been telling yourself. I had to do this, right? I thought that I had abandonment issues. But when I did the exercise on, on, on going back to dealing with childhood trauma, I, I realized that, that it wasn't what I thought it was. I had to go deeper that I was just emotionally abandoned, right? I wasn't never yeah. abandoned. I was emotionally about it. And so when you do this, you really got to talk yourself through the narrative of what have you been telling you, telling yourself about your story that's maybe not applicable because then you're forming limiting beliefs. So be very absolutely, you have to go to childhood trauma, look at the narrative, try to resolve the root of the issue. The attachment styles and all that are secondary to, to the childhood wound. So, so start there. And yes, I do. So right now, um, basically I'm offering, you know, narcissistic and toxic abuse coaching one-on-ones. Um, I, I've, I've done upwards of 50 of them so far. Um, I have an amazing community that we're, that we're building out. Um, and I'm also getting ready to launch a full on, um, coaching program, uh, that'll kick off some, sometime here in the next couple of weeks. Nice. Okay. So, what does a coaching session look like with you? Like what, 
what do you use? What do you ask? What's your approach? Uh, is this online? Is this in person? Is it both? Um, so coaching programs, basically, it just it goes for an hour and a half to two hours. It, it's it's $75. And essentially what we're doing is covering the full gamut of this toxic or narcissistic relationship. I kind of break it off into three segments, right? It's tell me the story. How did you meet them from leading all the way through to right now? Uh, the second part is going to be, well, where are you at in your mind? What are you currently going through? Because sometimes it'll be, they'll contact me day one. Sometimes it's month three. Some It, it could be, I got, you know, people who come a couple years later. So it's at different spectrums of where they are in their process. But nonetheless, I want to know, I want to know the story. I want to know where you currently are in your head. And then lastly, well, what do you want out of it? Where do you want to go? Because essentially in the healing process, you have to understand that the time's going to go by. Time is the ultimate healer. Yeah. It's what you do with that time that's going to dictate the level of life you have once you start to forget about the fucking problem. Yeah. Period. Yeah. So that's the kind of yeah. the approach. What's your story? Where are you at currently in your mind? And where do you want to go? What do you want from that? And then we drill down on the basics, trauma bond, cognitive dissonance, and no contact. These are the three fundamentals to get somebody going. And in that, we talk a lot about the importance of nutrition, fitness, because you got to get the dopamine. We talk a lot about meditation, the importance of being present, grounding yourself. We talk a lot about thought challenging. I'm big on, on breaking limiting beliefs, challenging your thoughts. Your conscious mind has to be in control at all times, and you can rewire your neurological pathways um, subconsciously by, by affirmations. That's what affirmations are. Essentially, you have to challenge your thoughts. Um, so these are some, some of the things that, that, that I work on in order to just determine where they are and, and where do they want to go. I believe in psychology, um, they are starting to bring to light what you were saying by what were you think can rewire your brain. And I believe it is called, um, I totally had the word in my head and I just blanked. It'll come to me here in a second. Um, but it, it, it is so true and it's hard sometimes, especially for those of you that might be like me who deal with depression, um, as to just, you're not just going to wake up and start thinking like positive all day long one day. It, this is a process and you have to be in this for the long haul. Please do not be scared to do this. You're not going to regret it. Yes. Facing trauma is hard. But you know what? Having someone like Randy that you can go talk to and it's like a third party. You don't have to worry about your family or friends finding out. You can be completely vulnerable, raw and open. And I know this from all of my therapy sessions. Um, there's just something so freeing about being able to talk to a third party. And I get so sick of people thinking that, oh, because you need a life coach or a relationship coach or a therapist that something is madly wrong with you. Y'all, we're all broken, okay? D don't come for us. Like, if you don't want to admit it, like, we all have issues. So you may not have problems with a narcissist or with abuse, but I can tell you that you have issues somewhere else that you could, you know, benefit off of therapy or coaching from. So...
Um, okay. Coaching, you know, so the coaching program, let me talk a little bit about that too. Cause yeah. you know, sometimes, sometimes, you know, the one-on-one is great. It's great talk therapy. It's, it's great that, you know, I can help you to understand, you know, currently where you are in your mind and, and help you through you telling me where you want to be, come up with a plan to get to where you want to be. What I believe though, that is if you've been through narcissistic abuse, you need to leverage this moment in time to totally transform your life. You, you should be wide open to what toxic relationship looks like, what the behaviors are, and more importantly, how it affects you and your quality of life. Now, getting a coach is essentially the same. Like you look at people who want to transform their lives. They might have the tools, but they're so sick and tired and sick and sick and tired of being sick and tired of not being able to get to the next step, Right. So what I do in the coaching program is basically working through holistic healing and mindset mastery. I help people to survive what they've been through. And then we help them to come up with a plan. What's the vision for your life? And then through psychology, philosophy, help you to get to the mindset through mindset mastery to go out and accomplish your goals. And, 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 there's nothing better than coaching because at the end of the day, if you look at any anybody, myself, I have a coach, for example, Michael Jordan, everybody that has ever been great has a coach to help them through their mental fight. It's all a mental fight, right? Because we people don't understand like discipline is more important than motivation. There's going to be yeah. days just like you said that you don't want to even get out of bed. Okay. But the world doesn't stop. Your life doesn't no. just because you don't want to get out of bed. You have to learn how to do discipline and I can help with that. I can help through holistic healing and mindset mastery for you to transform your life now. Now that you know what toxic abuse looks like, don't go ever go back. Now is the time to use the knowledge and the fuel of the pain. You can go use the fuel to lay on the couch and do nothing or you can use it to go out and transform your life into your most authentic self. Yes, and I think that we, there's something inside almost everyone that I've met, regardless if they really admit it or not, but I see it in their actions. It makes you happy to be able to help someone else in whatever way that that may be. So I hope everybody listening gets to that point to where they decide that they want to heal. Um, Like I said, it's not easy, but it is so worth it. Like I would go through it again a million times over, honestly. At the end of the day, me too, right? So, I mean, it, it definitely pushes us into purpose and it should push everybody into purpose, but purpose doesn't mean that everybody's going to go out and, you know, do a TikTok or or start a podcast. Yeah, That's okay. It's whatever sets your soul on fire. Purpose is not some grandiose, save the world, save the planet. Purpose is whatever makes you happy. So yeah. when you come from a narcissistic abusive relationship, you're like a phoenix rising. You're you're born out of the ashes into this new possibility, this new potential. You have now experience and knowledge to forge a better path forward. Use the fuel to go do whatever makes your heart happy, whatever sets your soul on fire. Yeah, I agree with that. I, every time somebody says that, go do whatever makes you happy, I kind of have like a a weird thought in my head. I'm like, well, serial killers kill because it makes them happy. (laughs) 
Yeah, yeah. No, hacking each other. I don't know why my brain goes there, but I'm just like, there's some people out there doing some really crappy stuff that makes them happy. (laughs) So the one who got away. Please, well, let's not give my address to any serial killers. I don't need I don't need anything else added on right now. Um, the term that I was thinking of was neuroplasticity, neuroplasticity. Um, earlier. My brain is still brain damaged from my relationship. It wasn't that long ago. I'm still in my healing phase, and I will literally be mid-sentence and forget everything that yeah. I was even thinking. So guys, this happens. This has happened several times on my podcasts already. This is my healing journey in real time, guys. So just bear with me. I'm doing the same and I would say you're spot on. So I'm five months out from the ninth and final discard um, of a two and a half year narcissistic abusive relationship. So I decided to heal in real time. I wanted to heal in front of the community I wanted to build. And what I would say is I still have trouble. I'm a speech and debate geek. Very, very good at presenting. This is what I do in the corporate world. I present, I talk, um, and I still, I'm at a loss of words a lot. Five months later. So it's totally true. Like the, the amount of time it takes to rewire all of the brain, because it's, it's new, you're rewiring new, uh, it's neuroplasticity, but you're, you're wiring new neurological pathways between the, the, the two lobes. Yeah. and it takes time and effort and intention. It, it does. And I feel like sometimes I will forget my whole vocabulary and I sound like I'll listen back to one of my podcasts and be like, Jackie, you're talking backwards or what you, that word you just used, that's, you didn't even use it in the right way. But people still know, I feel like they know what, you know, the point I'm trying to get across. But this is all from, you know, being in a narcissistic relationship and having brain damage uh, is not because I'm nervous. I was in the film industry for 10 years. I was an actress. I've been on stage. I've been in front of the camera. I don't know how many times. This is literally brain damage, guys. So bear with me. If you're someone that prays, you know, just just pray for little Jackie here and Randy, too, because it's 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 hard out there. And. Y'all, healing is not pretty, okay? That's why I named my podcast Healing Fucking Sucks, because it fucking sucks. Yeah, and you can, you know, but but when you get to that, even when you just get past the point of being okay with no contact, and by no contact, I mean, like, not looking at their social medias, like, this person is non-existent to you anymore, except for whatever you're trying to heal in the memories that you have of them in your brain, to me, that's no contact. I mean, I'm, yeah, I you, don't look nothing up. Don't ever look number one. Absolutely. No contact to me is your, you, you don't, you don't see them. You don't hear them. You don't read things from them. You're going no contact. Now you can't stop the thoughts immediately. You'll go through a lot of ruminating um, probably for a long time. But it does get less. Every time you break no contact, every time you go to look at their social media, you're going to see something you don't want to see. And you're starting yeah. over. You could be two weeks of no contact. The minute you hear from them, you're going to go into a, a panic attack. It's going to be right back to day one. Do not break no contact. Do not look at their social media ever. It is a bad trigger. And I feel like so many people in narcissistic relationships are already like – 
okay with toxic behavior from themselves um, as far as dealing, like, like you said, we have no healthy boundaries with ourselves when it comes to this stuff sometimes because we've allowed so much. So I feel like it's easy for us to allow ourselves to, oh, I'll just go check on that social media or whatever. It's very important to become very self-aware during these moments and go do anything else than look at what that person is doing or contact that person because I can tell you right now and I'm going to preach it. It's not going to get any better and you're literally going to have to start all over again. All the fucking work that you've been doing that week, that month, whatever, just went down the shitter. Every time. Every single time. Don't do it to yourself. I I, I did break phone no contact. So what I would say is I never broke uh, social media, no contact. Never looked, never wanted to look. I knew right away. I don't ever want to see that. I did break, um, you know, texting, no contact a few times. It's it's extremely hard, guys. And and, and I get yeah. that. Don't ever look though, because you, you don't want to see what's going on in the social media. You have to understand that every time you look, really what they're doing is it's an emotional connection. It's allowing you to stay in a connection with the abuser. So you can't heal. That's why it's right back to day one. So you go three days without looking at the social media on on day four. You finally look. It's a reset of the clock, right? You got your dopamine hit. Guess what? You're going to crash now. That is the the emotional connection to the, the, the social media that you don't want. And, and if you break it through text message, what I find is with a true narcissistic person, this is giving them the opportunity to continue to lie to you and manipulate you and paint you out to be the bad person. This is where they start to really flip the script and paint you out to be the manipulative abuser. It does not get any better. It never no. gets any better. It actually gets worse each and every time. Correct. Each and every time it's going to get worse. They see, oh, I can do more this time. Okay. I'll do more this time. Okay. This time I'm really going to do it. Yeah. Yeah. It it just is a never ending battle. So I appreciate people like you that offer coaching um, so that people can become more disciplined with their thought life and catching those thoughts and being like, whoa, okay. And stopping themselves from going back in and repeating the cycle all over again, you know? And I'm really focused on, you know, with the coaching, the coaching program, it's all about transformation. What do you want to do after narcissistic abuse, after you heal? Where do you want to be in one year? Where do you want to be in five years? Because now is the time to transform your life. Because the last thing you ever want to do is be in a position where you repeat this pattern. Because honestly, narcissism is also on the rise in the Western, all over the world. But more importantly, in the Western cultures, the Western society, narcissism is on the rise. Relationships are never changed. And you can't view relationships and love the same way we did 20 years ago. It's never going to be. You have to be more educated. You have to be more patient. And you have to be able to recognize the the signs of abuse. You have to be able to do this. Yeah, 120% Randy. Randy White, I love your name. Thank you. Okay, Randy, we have rounded our hour here. What do you want to promote on the show? Where can people find you? Where can people contact you? Let them know. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. So I'm on uh, TikTok uh, as uh, Randy White 208. 
uh, and I'm on Instagram and YouTube as Coach Randy White. Um, and, and that's where you'll find me. I also I have a brand, Only Quality People. It is a lifestyle apparel company. Um, and you can find that at oqpofficial.com. Nice. Okay. And I will make sure that I link all of that in the show notes so that people can find you. Perfect. Randy, it has been an absolute pleasure to have you yeah. on my show today. And I feel like we're going to be lifelong friends. I don't know. I, There's just something about you. No, absolutely. And I just appreciate you so much. I appreciate you. Thank you for having me on, Jackie. It was a blast. And of course, healing fucking sucks. <laughs> healing does fucking suck, Randy. I hope you have a wonderful evening. I hope you do too. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Coolio. Oh.